So if we can start with item one on the agenda, apologies for absence. I have one from Councillor Light. Anybody else? Uh, I Luck. believe Councillor Luck is away at the moment. I think that's all. I did. Yes, we did get apologies from him. Any declarations of interest relating to the agenda items? If not, I'll move on to the item two, the minutes of the previous meeting. Are people happy that these give a f full report as to what happened then? I regret I wasn't there due to a family funeral, but I believe this is a full report. Do I take the silence as acceptance? On that basis, and I would draw your attention, I'll sign these later. I'll draw your attention to the item on page 9 of the printed matter, showing the four items that were carried forward from that meeting. Letters to the, to the auditors, all members had a copy, and all members have had a copy of BDO's response. Ethical procurement, Mr. Councillor Luck raised this and he has, been, he has been provided with information and this will be brought forward and next, uh, when we deal with procurement update at the next meeting. Government risk, Councillor Khan requested officers consider whether risk associated with governance were sufficiently robust in the corporate risk register. This will be discussed in shortly, I believe, Councillor Khan. Thank you, Chair. Do we have a copy of the risk register tonight on the agenda, or is that... Uh... No, we don't. It's not on this agenda. Right. It'll be on the next one, so in March. Right. Okay. Thank you. And the local plan risk wording, Councillor Storer asked for clarification, and this has been circulated. Having, unless there's any other comment, I'll move on to item, agenda item three. This is to receive the annual audit letter from BDO and we have Mr. Eagles with us who is the audit partner. Is there anything you would like to add to this or amplify Mr. Eagles? Um, not really, it's just a, it's just a high level uh, public facing summary of uh, the totality of our audit work for last year. Um, so you've seen all the issues that are presented in the audit letter in a more sort of, um, detailed format as part of our completion report back in July last year. So um, I didn't want to add any more to that, um, but just to say that it is supposed to be sort of a, a public-facing document to go on your website so that members of the public can see what we've done for the last year. Thank you. And I remind uh, members that it was a clean audit report. Is there any questions arising from on the annual audit letter, or is that accepted by members? Okay. Uh, Councillor Dean. May I um, just ask a question about, I suppose it's more about nomenclature than anything else. In, um, on page 8, the uh, second paragraph under results, which is talking about surpluses, if, if I'm reading this correctly, and I must admit I haven't checked back, it refers to a surplus compared to budget of 336k, and then it refers to just over a million pounds, which was budgeted to fund reserves. So, in fact, 
there's a there's a difference there then of of 1.3 million. Is that correct? In other words, that the the, the fact that there was a, a surplus on revenue versus expenditure that that was more that was 1.3 million. Am I understanding the figures correctly? Uh, perhaps Mr. Eagles, you'd like to comment on that. Could you turn your speaker on, please? Sorry, could you repeat the question? So, so, so it's page eight of our. I, uh, yes, I, I'm, I'm on page eight, the second paragraph under results, which refers to two figures one of just a, about a third of a, a million pounds surplus compared to budget, and then. The but, and then it refers to another figure of just over a million pounds. Am I reading it correctly that the million pounds that went into reserves was budgeted to go into reserves and therefore the total underspend in terms of That's income true. versus expenditure was just over one, one and a third million? I think I've got two, it's two different years. The, um, the first oh. one, the 336,000, oh. is referring to 2018-19. Oh, yes. and the next sentence is then talking about the uh, budgeting for a break-even position in 1920 after putting aside 1.06 million into um, the reserves position. So it's two different years. Yeah, you're right. I hadn't spotted that. Yes, thank you. Okay. Is there any more questions? If not, we'll move on to the next item on the agenda, which I think you've all had a couple of the supplementary pack, which is the audit plan which has been received from BDO. This is, sets out how they intend to carry out the audit for this year, and they'll be starting, according to, looking at my schedule, in February. Mr. Eagles, would you like to draw the committee's attention to your plan, and is anything out, not in... Not a regular thing. Is anything extraordinary in there? In there? Yes, I will do. Um, just, just two, two, two things really. One, um, on your page 10 of the, the pack, we have a, an audit risk overview. And this is what I really want to talk about. That, um, in terms of the risks that we've listed here, um, uh, with one exception, they are pretty much all the same sort of risks that we had last year and are almost standard for local government. So we expect to have management override, which is the standard risk that is expected for every single entity, and that's the ability of management to manipulate things. Um, revenue recognition is, is again, a sort of a fraud-related issue, but it's um, uh, the ability of management to um, manipulate revenue within the accounts. So it's, it's sort of linked to the previous one, but specifically focused on revenue. Uh, it, is, it is largely a sort of commercially driven um, uh, item. There are less sort of incentives within um, the public sector for that sort of manipulation, but nevertheless it's expected uh, as, as a risk unless we can um, formally rebut it. Uh, the next two issues related to valuations... Um, Non-current assets is, is including uh, property, plant, and equipment, or, or, or tangible assets that people may be more familiar with as, as a term, um, and investment properties. Um, and the pensions is, um, uh, of course, the local government pension scheme liability that we um, uh, we have a share of that's uh, administered by, by Essex County. So the same sort of issues that we had 
uh, last year. And in terms of use of resources, again, sustainable finances, uh, we all recognise that it's times are tough in terms of um, balancing the books. And in the medium term, there are gaps that need to be filled. So we're, we're focusing again on that particular issue. Um, the, the new issue uh, is sort of a split out. It's partly linked to sustainable finances, which is uh, to do with commercial investments. Uh, of course, the council already has commercial investments, but you're proposing to enter into um, uh, other, uh, other arrangements. Uh, and what we're looking at this year is the, um, I suppose, the informed decision-making process of, of making those investments. So it's, it's assessing them. It's uh, the information which, which um, the council has to decide whether they are or are not likely to be good value for money, risk assessment, and that sort of thing. So that's what we're focusing on as a, a new and different risk from um, the profile last year. Um, the other thing I wanted to just talk about um, is... Uh, to do, it's linked to the, the, the fees uh, information on um, page 11 of your report, um, page 7 of our report. Um, we make reference uh, in the paragraphs at the bottom to do with uh, additional work and additional fees related to um, the, the work, partly the work I've described, but partly, partly also to um, the increasing levels of expectation about how we cover um, valuation risks for property plant equipment. Um, and this is something that's, that's not just Uttlesford. This is um, uh, across the whole country um, that the level of work which we need to do has increased quite significantly, but the scale fees that, PS, that the Audit Commission originally and PSAA have uh, charged in the last, also have set in the last few years, have not changed at all for any of those movements. And this is recognised at a national level, and I think the Council should have had a letter from PSAA to, um, to highlight that particular issue, um, that, that we are needing to do catch up for that. And uh, in simple terms, um, in, 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 in olden days, uh, auditors were able to simply take the values report and tick the figures across to the accounts, and that was all we had to do. It was a fairly, fairly simple exercise, um, and the level of reliance we placed was quite significant. Um, that is no longer acceptable. We have to do an awful lot more work uh, in terms of um, checking information that's sent to the valuer, assessing the valuer's competence, challenging the assumptions made, and so forth. It takes quite a long time to do that. But the fees currently do not recognise that. So what we need to do, and that's here and everywhere else, is to discuss with the councillors what that difference actually is. So the fees, really, just, just to highlight... To say Did you the not fees. quote? No. When you no. quoted these fees? Absolutely not, no. That we had a, you, uh, quoted, a, you quoted to get our work? Uh, no, I think the, the situation has moved on quite significantly since the original bids were put through. And I was at a meeting this morning, um, hosted at the, the Institute of Chartered Accountants, uh, with representatives from MHCLG, PSAA, the NAO, um, the Institute, uh, the FRC, who are the quality people, all the firms that, were, that are part of the contract, also firms that are not part of the contract, um, who were, so KPMG and PwC, for example, um, the LGA um, and uh, SIPFA as well, to discuss the particular issues that we have, have about uh, the local government audit market as it is at the moment. And it is recognised that there have been significant changes to uh, the scope uh, of work uh, and the environment in which we're working in since those bids were originally put in, and that is something that needs to be addressed. Uh, and as I said, there was a letter that came out from uh, PSAA, I think before Christmas, which explains some of those particular issues. And the firms, rather than PSAA 
discussing this with you uh, as, a, as a whole, the firms have been asked to discuss individually with each and every council about the position relating to um, this, this sort of issue and, and wider issues. So uh, I, I think the short answer is I can I quite understand why you're asking that question, but the short answer is no, things have moved on. Right. Uh, Mr. Webb, is there anything... Have, have we received this letter? I can't recall having received the letter, but um, Angela obviously isn't here tonight, so she may have done, but I haven't seen it, I don't think. I will, I'll follow up with the external so can, can, can you follow that one up? Because obviously if we haven't seen it, or it's got somewhere, in the thing, we'll have to, have to check it and have a look at that. Councillor Bagnall. Just a quick, so I didn't understand all of that. I won't admit, I won't pretend I did. Um, are you saying the scope of the audit changed? Uh, effectively, yes. Right. Yes, so, so the, the level of the scope changed, therefore the, the fees to be charged are reflective of the change in scope. The, fee, the fees that we will discuss and negotiate will then reflect the scope of work that we actually have to take on right. rather than the work that is envisaged within the scale. I mean, li literally, the scale fee um, is based upon the same base position of about nine years ago. Literally, you can track it year by year by year by year by year, and there's nothing, no change for uh, any uh, expectations in respect of valuation work. Uh, and there's also sort of additional work we have to do in terms of pensions. But basically, there is no change uh, for any of the councils that I have seen, barring one um, in, in Basildon where there was a small change related to group work. But every other council we've seen within Essex and nationally, and we, we audit um, uh, councils beyond just the Essex patch, uh, but not, single, not one of them has any change for the increased expectations from the FRC in terms of what auditors need to do for this work. Okay, so I'm assuming the change in scope is a, is a generic change across the board and we're just one of the councils. Absolutely, yes. We, please, please don't think that we're, we're picking right. on Uttlesford. Um, okay. This is, this is a, a general issue across the country, the whole of England. Well, clearly we need to see that letter which is meant to have come, which Adrian hasn't apparently got a copy of at the moment. Is there any other comment on the audit method or the audit program if not we obviously we accept that and thank you for your work I'm just, perhaps I shouldn't say this but I remember when I first came on the council eight, eight years ago then the National Audit Office was doing the accounts and the fee then was over 110,000 it's, it is, I think Councillor Dean, you remember produced, that. So, so it, 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 is, it is still still comparatively good news. I'm just sorry that the, the story is, is having to come from me. But obviously, with that, that one we'll deal with at the next meeting in March, if I may. If no other questions, we'll move on. We'll accept the audit plan as stated. And I'm away around here. The next is Sheila. Next item is Sheila with her internal audit progress report for the period September to 15th December. Um, the recommendation is that in due course we note her report. But it, Sheila, would you like to, to take us through your report, please? Yes. Uh, thank you, Chair. This is just my um, regular update report <coughs> to, to members on the work that we've um, been doing since um, as I last reported to you. So it covers the period from the 1st of September to the 15th of December. Um, 
I think one of the most important um, elements to, to go through with members, um, um, we've we did complete um, all of the audits from the 2018-19 audit programme. Um, as members will recall, there was a, a, a delay in us getting some of the work done due to resourcing issues within the internal audit, which have now been um, pleased to report resolved. Um, <clears throat> since September, um, seven audits um, from this year's the 1920 audit uh, programme have been completed. Final reports have been issued and 17 recommendations made. Copies of those final reports I have forwarded to, to all members of this committee. Um, we also, up until the 15th of December, we'd started work on a further eight audits, but um, since then and since we've come back um, after the new year, we've now um, started work on all but one of the, the audits that are sitting in our audit programme. We've started doing some of the initial work <coughs> now, um, and terms of reference will be copied through to members once we have them agreed and issued. The only major change to anything on the audit programme is we will not be auditing um, environmental health, commercial food safety. We've postponed this audit, um, having discussed it with the, the service manager. Um, they have got some resourcing issues with their, their two senior environmental health officers have now left the authority and they haven't been replaced yet. So we will be holding um, that back um, and we'll pick that up in uh, 2021. Um, of the audits we're working on at the moment, we currently have five as well at draft report stage. Um, we've also, during the period, a number of recommendations of our level three and level four recommendations have been implemented. I'm happy to take any questions from members. Councillor Bagnall. Question on the thing about the uh, environmental health. So did you say you're not going to undertake the audit because they've got resourcing issues? Yeah. Is the audit not there to highlight issues such as that? And uh, shouldn't you conduct the audit regardless? Oh, at, at this particular moment in time, there are no senior officers that we could actually no, I understand that, work but, with. But the purpose of an audit yeah. is to identify issues. Uh, and isn't that isn't the resourcing issue something that should be identified as part of an audit? But if you don't then conduct the audit until the staff are there, you're sort of missing the issue. Is that, or am I missing something? Um, we we tend to work here on the basis of that. I mean, we will be looking at it in in quarter one of next year, when once hopefully that they will have then, then replacement officers in in post. But at the moment, there it, it would we would consider it to be an imposition on officers at this particular moment in time to actually sit there and expect them to sit down and work with, with internal auditors. Um, but as I, it, it's, it's not forgotten, it will be picked up. And, and any other resourcing issues, if they're highlighted, will be also mentioned. Thank you. Councillor Dean. Yes, thank you, Chairman. I'd like to refer to the table, Appendix A1. A couple of questions. One is on the first page, which is the main report, page 27. And I notice under the, <clears throat> at the end of the line 170, which is business continuity and emergency planning, the word little appears. Uh, I'd like an explanation, please, about what little means or what is it that's little um, and secondly why are why is the audit of members allowances and expenses on hold um. 
Shall I take the second one first? Members' allowances and expenses, um, we will be starting work on very shortly. It was on hold at uh, that time in December because of uh, particular staffing issues within the democratic services and electoral registration services. And obviously with the general election um, in, in, in place, it was one of those things that has had been put back, but I have had discussions with Simon Pugh last week and we will be picking that up to start very shortly. I'm happy with that, that answer. And the first point that counts back, back to that one. Yeah, the, the little, that's the level of assurance that we would give on, on, on an audit. It's based on um, the number and the highest risk level that we consider of any of the recommendations that we've made. Within the business continuity and emergency planning audit, we made a total of nine recommendations. Four of those were, uh, sorry, two of those were our risk level four, which is the highest level of concern that we would have and six were actually at level three. Is there anybody here who can um, give a, an explanation as to how that's being addressed? Um, Oper the operational issue? Well, the, <coughs> uh, the, as I say, the, the, the report is with, uh, with officers. They have completed their management action plan and we will be um, reviewing how they're implementing those recommendations. And because this audit had a, an audit opinion of little, it will be picked up as an audit to be followed up next year as well. So it has moved on since what is being reported here, and we can expect an update. Yeah, I was wondering if is we could it, ask this correct? The, our chief officer if she'd like to comment on that. Apologies, wasn't overly concentrating, but I think you were talking about the um, business continuity and emergency, emergency planning, planning business continuity. Yes, which yes. has got so, little. So um, the issue is in part the, um, the systematic approach to our business continuity. So I think uh, I could say that uh, our departments have got business continuity plans. The degree is in, in quality is variable and how they come together as a systematic approach across the council, I think, is where we're weak. Uh, we have experienced a change of um, personnel in emergency planning and business continuity, and we did at one point seek some external support on the business continuity, but that didn't, that didn't work really effectively. So we have got a new approach. We've got a new emergency planning officer who's supporting us. We've got uh, senior officers now appointed working uh, on those plans, so I think when we bring the update uh, to this committee later in March, I think it will be the March report. Uh, possibly March or possibly the Whenever we bring it, but we can certainly circulate an update to all members uh, on the progress made and the future steps. So I think it's, so uh, absolutely it's about not having the documented systematic and level of confidence we would want, but I wouldn't want members to think that in the event we had an issue tomorrow that we wouldn't know what to do because I think we do know what to do. It's, it's just embedding a new approach that we've been we've tried a couple of times to a, a new approach which haven't really worked. I think we've got an approach now that we're confident with, but now we've got to embed it uh, and train people accordingly. So I think um, my recollection of that is where we're at. But I'm happy to circulate a note, Chair, if that would help members 
I'm quickly looking through at the uh, copy of the final report. Most of the implementation dates are either the end of March or the end of May. There's a couple for the end of October. So we certainly could bring a, or get from officers an update. Yeah, yes, that would be helpful, you know, and bring it to our attention so it doesn't, doesn't slip through because we didn't notice it. Sorry, can I just come in there? We have had the funding from the LGA for the cyber element of the work, and we have been carrying out training on the business continuity plans for staff, so the process has begun. It's just, a, just got to follow it through now till the end. So it is a work in progress. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. Sorry, I'm obviously on a, a different planet here. Um, chart one, the word little. I mean, I'm, look at the rest of it. You've got substantial satisfactory. But does little mean there's little risk? Does it mean there's not a lot to talk about? What does little actually mean? Um, the definition that we have of little is there's major controls have failed and or major errors have been detected. So is it good having little or is no, it bad No, we have very, we can, we can only give little assurance on the controls that are in place in, in that service. So yeah. could we not word that slightly different? The, um, the wording um, oh, that has been in place for quite a long time, we are looking to sort of reform that slightly. Um, anyway, sort of going forward, that's something to probably bring to the, the next meeting. But, I mean, we have four levels of opinion. We have substantial... Uh, satisfactory, limited, and little. And, but. Okay, point. And um, on the next chart, we've, we've had two of them being on hold, but there is actually three that I can see. Um, um, yeah, they were all at the property time. Property services. At the time when the, this report was was drafted and submitted, because obviously the paperwork for this had to be done sort of mid-December, we have moved on considerably since then. Um, uh, as I was saying, we have now started work on all of the audits, apart from one at the moment, um, licensing, we, we, I will be contacting the service manager again next month because, again, they've had senior officers um, or change changes within their, their senior officers within licensing, but we, we are looking to still get work done on that before the end of this financial year. Um, so you were talking about the repair service? Yeah, um, we certainly um, will be looking at that. As I say, discussions already underway with, with the um, property services manager to, to look at that and to, to look at the, the void situation as well. So. Fine. Any other questions? If not, uh, we'll... And as I say, the report is that we should note that and obviously we would look forward to receiving a, a, some updates in the next meeting because obviously there's one or two things going wrong or going not where they should. Mr. Eagles, if you want to leave, we're quite happy. If you'd like to stay with us, we'd equally be happy. Fine. Um, move on to item six, cyber security update. Uh, Nicola Whitman is here and of course our, our expert is with us as well. So it is again that we note the uh, committee, the update, but would you like to say anything to it, Nicola? Uh, yes, thank you, Chair. 
just to say that there's been a vast improvement. When the stock take was first taken in August 2018, we were an amber-amber. We've now moved to an amber-green, which basically means that in out of the, there's 10 areas they mark us on. We've improved in eight areas. One was already green and one remains red, and part of that is the business continuity, which we are working on at the moment. But great improvement. We have also applied for grants. We've managed to get £11,000 worth of grants, and we continue to apply for more money. Any questions? And, um, would, is there anything like you would like to say, Councillor De Vries, as a sort of watchdog? No, thank you. Just to say that um, Nicola and the department have done fantastic work and IT will never be 100%. So moving from amber amber to amber green um, doesn't sound like a lot, but when you look at the charts, it's actually some vast improvements in important areas. Thank you. Councillor Dean. Yes, thank you, Chairman. I'm looking at the pretty pictures on, I think it's page 35. It might be 45 because it's the... the, the um, page numbering is garbled. Anyway, the one where you've got these nice pentagons pentagon? um, with um, greens and red in the centre, and I see that it's technology that lets us down. So does that mean that our kit is somewhat rusty uh, and we need to spend money on equipment rather than systems and how we use it and, you know, our procedures there's a couple of pieces of software that the stock take specifically asks you to have which at the moment we haven't got and we've applied for funding for they are quite a lot of money i can't say what they are because we're actually broadcasting but um we have applied for funding for it and we are aiming to be able to put that software in it's software which is being counterbalanced by other systems but it's more of a monitoring type software that we need to improve on and is, is this software stuff that we need to do, if you will, use in a, in a, a standalone basis, Uttlesford on its own, rather than Uttlesford sharing networks with other people? I don't, I don't know anything about the background to this, so I'm asking questions totally naively. Okay. Um, we belong to the Essex Online Partnership, which is all the IT managers in Essex work as a group. And as a group, we're looking at purchasing the software, probably a cloud solution, so we can all use the same software. But that's a work in progress at the moment. Okay, thanks for that. Thank you. Are there any other questions? If not, the recommendation is that the committee notes the update. Sorry, Councillor Bagnall, I apologise. Sorry, can you just cover the red zones? Because we've sort of skipped over those. So the red zone is the software, the software which identifies um, one of the ways of identifying penetration into the systems, but we've got other ways we're picking up anything that comes through. Yeah. It's just literally they are specifically asking for two types of software, which at the moment we haven't got. They are very expensive bits of software as well, I have to add. So, so what risk are we running as a result of being read in those areas? As all cyber, you've always got a risk. I mean, this yeah, I technology that. is changing at such advance. So we're, we're, looking, we're doing it a different way. We've got the virus guards, we've got the firewalls, we've got lots of other event monitoring software in place. We haven't specifically got the software they're asking for, which a lot of councils, small councils, haven't got, which is why we need to work with Essex Online Partnership to try and purchase something. 
Okay. So we're covered. We are covering ourselves, but obviously... It's just that it doesn't... I, I look at the... I can see the words red. Now, I look underneath, and it's not really... It tells you about the red in the two categories, but there's not really anything about the mitigation that you're undertaking. And it might be helpful, because then it will stop me asking the question. Mr Webb. I think, if I can, I think... The, the wording may be deliberate because what you don't like to do is publicise too much what software you use and uh, potentially what any weaknesses or, or limited coverage that you have. So we can certainly try and answer that in, in a different format. Yeah. Perhaps that could be circulated to members. Thank you. If there's nothing else, Rick, as I say, the recommendation is that we note the update. Thank you for that. We'll now move on to item 7. Uh, this is the polling district and po polling places review, Southern Walden Parliamentary constituency, and our report author is our chief executive, who is with us, and that the recommendation is that the approval be given to the re returning officer's recommendation for a revised scheme of polling districts in and polling places for the Southern Walden Parliamentary constituency, as set out in Appendix One. Uh, Chief Executive. Thank you, Chair. I think uh, you'll uh, appreciate having read the report, uh, particularly the appendix, that there's been uh, a detailed review. Having said that, because we've brought to this committee within the last five years a number of um, requirements for uh, interim reviews because of uh, closure of buildings or unavailability of buildings, um, in the main, the uh, appendix sets out adopting uh, almost an identical scheme. There are some changes, and of course, the uh, parliamentary general election on the 12th of December uh, in enabled us, let's look at it positively, to test some other polling stations uh, which may have had the potential to be replacements. But uh, you will see that in most cases, whilst we were extremely grateful uh, for those venues making themselves available at such short notice, uh, the, they were not as uh, appropriate as the designated polling places, which in particular were schools. So um, we have had uh, reason to test alternative venues, particularly with the general election and what turned out to be the European Parliamentary, uh, which was held at short notice also. So we've we have tested a range, but we think that the proposals uh, that are set out in Appendix 1 are now the most appropriate uh, at this point in time. So uh, happy to take uh, questions. It's obviously a very detailed appendix referencing uh, every polling station. It does include those within the Saffron Ward constituency that are located in the Chelmsford City Council District, but they've also gone through the same statutory review. So our recommendations in respect of those polling stations reflect Chelmsford City Council's review and recommendations. Uh, they've been... Uh, accepted uh, without challenge. So, um, happy to answer any questions. The, 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 main, the main problems seem to relate to, to Saffron Walden in that down at home base where we've put a temporary building in, in their car park and also here outside the council offices. Again, a temporary build, building is provided. We haven't really got any solutions for that in the future and if home base does close... We so, don't know where we're going. Yes, yeah, so in the event that home base closes, uh, then the Tesco store uh, would be a suitable alternative, but home base have been very keen to retain uh, the porter cabin there. Um, 
The porter cabins are not ideal from the point of view of the logistics around it, particularly when an election is called at short notice. However, they do prove to be um, highly accessible uh, and suitable uh, as a polling station, but there are those logistics involved. But in the, and in the absence of suitable alternatives, of course, they, they do then pose the only solution. Okay, so anybody else? Anybody? Yes, Kant. Jones. Councillor Jones. Um, Chair, the, uh, on page 47, you've got the polling station for Great Dunmore Primary School. Um, I've read through the consultee's comments and also the returning officer's comments, and it seems that obviously this is not the best place for it, but is it because there isn't another location suitable nearby, and that is we are stuck with what we have? Yes, yeah, so the Great Dunmo uh, Primary School uh, has been you know, a particular challenge, as all schools are, and particularly when they are unscheduled elections. However, at the parliamentary general election, uh, in the absence of literally any alternative, we worked really closely with the head teacher, as we've always done, and actually we uh, uh, together came up with a scheme which meant they could stay open and meet their safeguarding duties whilst giving free access and unfettered access to the electors, which is a requirement, um, and kept the school open. And that actually worked very well, and the school uh, were, were very pleased with that. So if that arrangement can be repeated, which, of course, now we've tested it, we can certainly do that, then actually we've, we've achieved quite a, uh, a, um, a, well, a very practical com compromise between us in terms of meeting the electors and keeping the school open and maintaining the safeguarding arrangement. So uh, we think we've now, having kept working at it, come up with a solution. Councillor Eisen. I was just wondering, with the added workload that obviously comes about by unexpected elections and with the prospect of maybe, maybe not the Parliament, Fixed Parliament Act going, what central government assistance or central assistance is available to you to assist with these sort of unscheduled, quick pull elections that may catch you unawares? Um, so uh, when unscheduled elections are called, and bear in mind at the moment we are still in the Fixed Term Parliament Act, which, of course, theoretically means we will have the next general election in December, five years' time. So I'm, but I'm sure, the, sure the government at the time will want to uh, exercise some flexibility around that. Um, so uh, in, a, in planning for it, the Electoral Commission uh, provides a lot of advice and guidance, um, not government as such. What we are able to do is to claim all the reasonable expenses associated. So, of course, in December, we had to proactively provide additional lighting and heating, and then we were responsive on the day to issues and also provided further lighting and heating, and all of that will be reasonably claimed back from the uh, Cabinet Office. So, in that sense, we get support. Uh, however, there is often quite a challenging claims process, and we have in the past reached a point where we figure that further human resource to argue points is offset by what we will recover. Um, so we have in the past, uh, we haven't submitted the claim for December yet, uh, had to um, bear some of the costs ourselves simply because there is a diminishing return of keep debating. So, But generally, we, we get lots of advice and guidance from the Electoral Commission and we get the cost of the election uh, 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 re 
uh, remunerated from government. Okay. Any other questions? Councillor Dean. Thank you, Chairman. The, um, two, I'd just like to question. One in my own ward, Stansted North, where at the most recent election, the uh, election took place in the so what's, I think, due to open tomorrow, the Mount Fitchett Exchange, the new library. I'm reading here that that's not intended, not intended to continue or to repeat that, but to go back to Bentfield School, with which I have no problem. But um, I, I just wondered what the experience was of using the building on the 12th of December. So the use of the Stansted Exchange was, was extremely positive. We had uh, fantastic support from the Parish Council. Uh, it worked well. Of course, it, was, uh, it had no other users, and I'm not saying that if it had other users, such as the library, it would be a different experience, but of course it did mean that we had the full use of the building and the car parking. Uh, the car parking was a challenge because there were Christmas parties on at the day centre, and elsewhere I think the U3A were holding a Christmas party so the parking was a challenge and that would continue to be the case uh, if we were to use it but it's not in the same ward as Bentfield School and having regard to the development at Walpole Farm which will increase the uh, population but to the north then uh, there isn't uh, it doesn't provide geographically an alternative but of course when you have to make exceptional arrangements because of unscheduled elections uh, we would be enormously grateful if uh, Stansted Parish Council made it available to us uh, on those occasions. And the other question was I noticed there's a de degree of controversy over Dewton Hill um, with um, a proposal to permanently go to Great Eastern Village Hall um, I've no reason to disagree with that, um, <clears throat> but um, is, and, and, and it seems to me that if they've been living with um, what, inaccess or not unsuitable access arrangements in the past, then then it makes sense to make the arrangement that apparently was required last, um, whenever it was, um, European elections last summer, wasn't it? That, that it started off, then it seems to be a good choice to to continue that. The, but the question was that arose was that it's a separate electoral div, division or area, and for parish only. Yeah. So, so therefore, would if they if they have parish elections there, yes. then would would the pub be used? Yeah. Apologies, chair. Uh, in in the event there was a parish uh, contest then we would look to, to use something like a port cabin in a suitable location, potentially in the car park. But in this day and age, to expect uh, voters to either manage very steep stairs up to the first floor or to stand at the bottom and somehow attract the attention of the staff upstairs in order for them to come down and provide uh, voting facilities in the pub, really, as... You know, I, I, I don't find that acceptable. So we, in the event there was a parish contest, which we think is quite unlikely, we would make uh, alternative arrangements. But it is possible to, to designate the uh, Eastern Village Hall for the Dewton uh, area of the ward, if that makes sense. No, that's a satisfactory answer, Chairman. I mean, I'm happy to support these proposals. Okay. Hey, is it, Councillor, just go. 
Yeah, just just um, a quick question. ABD100, some Michael's... Hang on, what's my computer now? Um, St John the Evangelist Church. It happens to be in my ward, and on visiting it last May, I didn't think there was a lot of access for disabled people. I would have found it very awkward to get a wheelchair in there. Unless there's a route in I don't know about. Oh, well, um, as it happens, Councillor Driscoll, we have the polling station inspector for that uh, polling station. So um, I think maybe uh, Mr. Alty might be in yes, a better position me. to comment than um, so the, the, the path up to the church is, is a little uneven and uh, it's um, sort of compacted gravel, isn't it? Um, so I think, and I did talk, uh, we've used it I think twice in the last year now and we've had the same staff on at that station each time so I have talked to them about their experiences of it and they haven't, um, they haven't seen anybody have difficulties. Now there's the parking, there's four bays at the front on the road um, which is quite a long walk up to the park, but if you know, there's also church parking at the side as well, which is on, yeah, which is on grass uh, with a shorter walk. Yeah, it, it was quite wet at the general election. It was fine for the uh, Europeans, um, but it was quite wet for the general. But there is the parking at the front, so it is, it is longer on the path if you park at the front. But I think it is, it still would be um, uh, considered to be accessible enough. Um, the only alternative. Um, which has been used previously was a private house in Bush End itself, the Ancient Foresters, and I've been presiding officer at that polling station, and it is impossible for wheelchair users to get to the polling station because it is a properly gravelled driveway. So I've had to take the um, voting slip and ballot box out to a wheelchair user in order for them to be able to vote. So the access for that one is even worse than it is for the church. Whilst I was standing outside, I didn't see a wheelchair user try to get in, but I don't know whether there is a wheelchair user that would want to vote there. I just thought it was, you've got grass or you've got an uneven gravel footpath. Um, maybe an electric chair might get down there, but not someone trying to wheel themselves, I don't think, personally. Well, um... Yeah, I, I don't know. As I say, when I was presiding officer at the, the former station there, there was one wheelchair user. There's about 100 people on the electoral roll, so it's quite a small area. Um, uh, as I say, the staff didn't report any issues, and I did make a point of checking with them each time. Um, but we'll yeah, keep an eye on it in future elections. Other comment? If not... We will give a the recommendation that approval will be given to the returning officer's recommendation for a revised scheme of polling district and polling places for the Southern Walden parliamentary constituency with effect from 31st January 2020 as set out in Appendix 1. Can I have an, all those who approve it? Any against? That is accepted. None without debate. Right, with debate. Public item eight, the public participation at planning committee meetings is the title. Uh, the report is written by Simon Pugh, our chief legal officer, who is with us. And the recommendations are that, that the, this committee recommends to full council 
to adopt the changes to the Planning Committee procedure identified in paragraphs 8 of this report and also to authorise the Assistant Director, Governance and Legal to amend the text of the Constitution to reflect the changes agreed. Mr Pugh, perhaps you'd like to comment? Very briefly, I mean, it's a straightforward report. These are some changes to public participation which the Planning Committee wants to make. It's been trialling these changes since August and uh, with uh, success, I believe. Um, the uh, speaking arrangements are embedded in the Constitution, which is why we need to have a report here and then on to Council. And if you want uh, any sort of insight into how these are working in practice, then Councillor Bagnall, of course, has experience of the changes and I'm sure would uh, be able to um, answer questions about what happens on the ground, so to speak. I would mention that, of course, this working party has been led by the chairman of the planning committee, and she appears to be well happy with it. But any comments there on Councillor Dean? Yes. Yes, Chairman. Um, let me see. Page 85, item E, which refers to allowing town stroke parish council representatives to comment on statements made by applicants or their agents. Um, but there's no reference here to the same facility being given to ward members. And I've said I don't attend planning committees very often, um, but I, I do recollect on one occasion where I've I probably made, made a statement and then I've heard the applicants say something and I knew full well that what he or she said wasn't correct. Um, now, this is saying that um, the parish council can chip in and uh, attempt to correct the record, or at least to give their version of events, but it doesn't men mention ward members of this council. Um, and I would have thought that if, uh, if there is going to be that, what you might call right of reply, then it should at least apply to district councils if it's going to apply to parish councillors. Yeah, certainly, um, it's something that I was reflecting on myself. Uh, Mr. Pugh, have you any comment on that? Uh, well, all I can say is that this isn't a change that was identified by the group led by the chair of the planning committee. I mean, I understand the point made, and uh, uh, I, I see, personally, I would see, would see no objection to uh, extending the uh, scope of paragraph E to include uh, district councillors and, indeed, county councillors, should they... Um, wish to correct factual inaccuracies uh, um, at the end of a developer presentation. I mean, as the report says, I think there needs to be a degree of care taken here, because if there is genuine uncertainty, then there may be need for advice from officers, and if it's fundamental, then there may be a need for further investigation. Well, I'd like to propose that if we agree the rest of it, that that is incorporated. That, that, is, that is your... your, your Pardon? Proposal, is it? I'm, going to, I'm proposing that as an amendment to what is here, yes. Is, is there a seconder? Thank not a seconder, but a point of order. I'm not sure if we can do that as a committee or whether that would have to be an action to go back to the working group to make sure the working group protected well, I, it. I, uh, I, I think I, we're, we're I in order. Mr we, Pugh would well, clarify. I mean, I think there's a pragmatic way of doing that because, I mean, the working group has no kind of decision-making status. But, I mean, if you, if you want to change the recommendation, we can um, consult the planning committee members. If they throw up their hands in horror, then uh, there's an opportunity to have another bite at the council meeting. Fine. Could, we, could that, would that be acceptable? I have no problem in the, in the planning committee being consulted in some way, yeah. yeah. But, but we, we are the, the body that actually settles 
constitutional matters or proposes constitutional matters. So, um, I was just wondering why, why they had they, they, they left out well, no district councillors no, and county councillors. No doubt somebody had to be in his or her bonnet about parish councillors and never thought about district councillors. That's all I can think, but I wasn't party to it, so I have no idea. Councillor Bagnall, I wasn't party to this, so I'm not on the working group that looked to those changes. So it's a fair point, which is there might have been a reason, and just by overturning it here, it doesn't give them the opportunity to explain what the rationale was. So I just think if, if you just take an action to go back and ask the working group to consider whether it should also include <coughs> board and district uh, and um, county councillors, then I think that probably covers it. I, th I think we are meeting again in March, aren't we? Yes. And so if we, this can go back to the working party and come forward. I, I, I think you can cut that. I'm sure we can cut that without causing too much uh, distress. <laughs> I must admit, I thoroughly agree with Councillor Dean on this because I, there, there are... Well, can I, can I say on the process, it's my understanding that this working group wasn't even a formally constituted working group. Uh, it was um, a group by invitation only. So I don't think we should stand too much on ceremony because... Um, <laughs> can I comment? I mean, this is, this is a relatively small point in the scheme of this. I mean, and, and I'd suggest the easiest way of doing this is for you to make your suggestion. It's a recommendation to council. If that doesn't find favour with the planning committee, then we can have a bit of discussion. And uh, you can, you know, it can be withdrawn or it can be amended. Um, it, but if, it, if it's satisfactory, then we can just put the recommendation through. I must admit, I would get very cross when I do address the planning committee and then find that the developer gets up and insists that there are plenty of bus stops in Clavering that are none. <laughs> Makes me very cross. But if I can't reply to that and make the point that this factual incorrect is being perpetrated, I, I, you know, there be the council of Yeah, I, just a quick one, really. Um... Paragraph F, I believe, should also include district councillors for site visits. I think, it, I think that already is a norm, but, but there's no limit as far as I'm aware. I, I mean, I had the same point, that why doesn't it mention it? But I think I, I, if you've got four members in a ward, then four members can turn up, I think. That's right, I've not come with a scheme for site visits, but, but uh, I believe ward members can turn up at site visits. Mr Pugh, can we ask that this goes back to the planning, uh, to the planning working party to add that adjustment and then comes forward again in March? Well, we can if you want, but in terms of the bureaucracy, that's going to involve a further two, bo you know, two bodies considering this again. And it's a matter for you, but... Um, uh, well, it's a matter of Or do you. we just change it, or are you saying we just change it? I'm, I'm just suggesting you make recommendations as you see fit, and if uh, the council doesn't like them, it can reject them. And if there's controversy about it, we can report to council. Okay, so I think we're... Are you happy with that? I support that approach, pragmatic approach. Right, so... Mr Gibson, is it Gibson? Can you make a note that... Can I put it to the committee that we add those suggestions that district councillors be included under E? And county councillors. And county councillors. Okay. 
and def. Well, I think F uh, uh, covered under the scheme it's, of delegation. It's already covered, yeah, but it doesn't actually say it now. If they're going to work to this. Okay, okay. and F as well. And E and F. I'll double check, and if uh, district councillors are not invited to site visits, which I'm reasonably sure they are, then we'll change it. Okay. But this is just summarising the changes that need to be made. And so there's no need for it to mention district councillors, assuming they're already covered. Okay. Councillor Jones. Okay. Okay. Jones. Uh, apologies. Um, would it be possible just to ask the planning working group why they didn't include district councillors? Because I can't understand why a district councillor would challenge um, the applicant with um, incorrect facts. Surely they would be, have to be based, you'd be challenging one of the advisors of the applicant, or for example, if it was a parish council, they would use their advisor to challenge the applicant for incorrect facts, um, prior to actually the planning committee discussing, uh, as it says in, the, in point E. So, would it be possible just to ask why the working group didn't include district council before we go down the road of I carry out the recommendation um, I, I, I think we really are in a position that we can't really go back to them and we are in a position of making a recommendation which will go to full council next, which is when? 25th of February. 25th of February. I mean, I think we can do this um, slightly less formally because what I can do is I can email the planning committee members um, tomorrow with the outcome of this meeting. If somebody says, hang on a minute, this isn't what we meant at all, then um, there'll be a covering report going to council anyway with the recommendations and we can note the response from the planning committee in that. Okay, is that accepted by people? Great. Okay, then we'll move on to the next item, item nine. Holly Knight's been sitting here very patiently. Uh, this is the performance indicator for quarter two. And there are, there are no recommendations, but Mr. Knight, would you like to take us through it and draw attention to anything that you think is material? Yes, thank you, Chair. Um, so this report presents outturn data for our key performance indicators and performance indicators for quarter two for 2019-20. Um, as normal, all data has been reviewed by both the corporate management team and also the joint executive team. Um, Appendix A details the individual attainment for quarter two for all indicators and also highlights both short and long-term trends. Um, um, one thing I did want to note with this data, obviously now we're in the middle of January, so this data being for quarter two is from July to September, so we've now had a whole quarter since, which I'm now in the process of reviewing to go to CMT towards the end of the month. So there might have been considerable progress, and if members have got any particular questions, I can relay data if I know myself now. Um, just as a broad overall picture, 68% of indicators have achieved target during quarter two, um, and overall, in both the short and the long term, there's been considerable improvement across all statuses. There are actually quite a few indicators where attainment has even gone from a red to a green status, so i.e. they've been quite considerably below target to achieving target this quarter. Um, an example of that is KPI 07B, which is the average number of days lost per employee through long-term sickness. Um, just to run through our two KPIs that have achieved a red status, so i.e. they're more than 10% below target, for quarter two. So the first one of these was KPI 08A, which is the average relet time in days for all relets. Um, whilst the data does show that it is still below target, 
there has been a considerable improvement in the short term in comparison to quarter one. So I'm very much looking just briefly at the quarter, the quarter three data today. I can see that it's also going positively as well. So we're hoping to see considerable improvement moving towards target ongoing. Um, also for KPI 11, which is the processing of major planning applications, um, it's actually the first time in three years that this has dipped below target. Um, management within the department have picked it up very quickly and have looked and established what timing issues have happened there. And I believe an action plan is now in place to be able to look at performance moving forwards. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention, we've also, on page 13 of the appendix, we've just had the finalised data for 2018-19 for PI28, which is the percentage reduction of carbon dioxide emissions from local authority operations. There is a slight lag in when we receive the data. It takes two or three months for it to be verified because of partnership with Braintree District Council. Um, whilst, again, for this particular one, we are still below target, there is a significant improvement in comparison to 2017-18. So within 2017-18, emissions actually increased by 3.5%, but we've now, for 18-19, decreased by 0.7%. Um, overall, the main decrease in emissions has been attributed to reduction in emissions from the vehicle fleet operations and also from an overall reduction in business travel. Um, focuses of work for 2019-20 were also highlighted through the analysis last year. So we're now looking at reduction in gas and electricity usage, particularly at the museum, as it showed a significant increase during 2018-19. And I believe work is ongoing this year to be able to reverse that upward trend. So I'm happy to take any questions from members. Right, it's, it's Councillor Dean. Yeah, I'd like to um, look at uh, KP14, which is street services on, I don't know what page it is, 12. Um, I'm not sure whether I'm reading this wrongly, but if I look at um, quarter two, 1819, it says that, no, what does it say? It, it says we achieved 52.89%, I think, and that was amber. And then in quarter two, 1920, mm -hmm. it says we achieved less, and we're green. Yeah. Um, so it gets worse, but we get a better score, I think. Could that be explained, please? Yes, of course. So um, this particular, the, the reason for that particular change has, it's very much been to do with the result of targeting. So beginning at the end of 2019-20, our street services team looked at reprofiling what their targets were. So I think what, so for quarter two in 18-19, the target was 55%. So even though the attainment for last year was high, a higher percentage. It was below the target that was for 18-19, whereas for this year, the target's 51%. So therefore, even though it's slightly less, it's achieved the target this year. So, right. So we were talking, or you were talking a minute ago about um, carbon reductions or energy use, and associated with that in a way, is uh, reuse and recycling and composting of waste materials all has a bearing on waste and, and climate change. And we're reducing our targets, uh, which, who agreed to that? 
Um, you know, it, 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 uh, our street service is saying, well, because we didn't do very well, we're just going to drop the target and hope nobody notices. Um, uh, you know, and particularly yeah. at a time when the council twice in the last few months has passed resolutions on climate change, and to me, waste is part of that agenda. We shouldn't be slackening, slackening off. We should be tightening things up and looking for new things you know, to measure to achieve. So I, I'm, I've got a serious problem with, with that one. Can I just add something to that? So to answer your question, this committee approved that revised target um, because all the targets each year come to this committee. Um, uh, the so target... was that was that agreed before May? Yeah, yeah. It would be, uh, okay. was it I, was, I wasn't on the committee. It was during May. It was probably during May. It may. It was. It was either just before, or just after the election. I can't remember which. Um, uh, I mean, the, the targets are designed to be um, challenging but achievable, um, and they are partly based on previous performance and how the service thinks it can improve and, and, and perform. Um, during the course of the year, and I suspect with this one that they looked back at um, previous several years' data and found that probably the, the target that was set previously, I mean, if you look on the report, they didn't hit it in the last three or four quarters, and I suspect if you go back further than that, we'll find the same, the same thing. So I think the target was probably lowered um, to reflect that. Now, this committee will be having the uh, indicated targets for 2021 coming before them, um, I think, at the March. next meeting. Yeah, so at the March meeting. So there will be an opportunity to, to have a look at that. And we can certainly um, make sure that some information from environmental services is included in the covering report around that specific indicator and target, if members would find that helpful. I, I would support that very strongly because, uh, you know, picking up the points I made, it's not necessarily just about uh, how much fuel we use and how much electricity we use, but there are other things as well that we ought to be thinking about. And, uh, uh, and yeah, I'd like to see a, a well-rationalised report and which actually says, if we did this, we could get back to the performance levels in terms of recycling that we were hitting 10 years ago. I can't remember now, but it was certainly been darn sight better than this in the past. Yeah. Now, I know a lot of it is about public education, uh, and we've had a lot of new people come into the district, and they may not be performing as well as when we had a more stable population. I don't know what the background is. I'm speculating there. Um, but I think, I think we need to understand what it is, and if we've got to improve education of the residents, then let's, well, whatever needs to be done, I think yeah. we should be striving for better performance and not just uh, dropping targets okay. just because we didn't hit it yeah. last quarter or last six months or, or whatever. So, okay. I, yeah. I, I think you've agreed that yes, we'll, we'll, we'll look at this yeah. at the, in the next meeting. Yes, indeed. And have a special report on this area, okay. not just simply another table yeah. yep. uh, with, with suggested tape. It may not be numbers. a separate report, Councillor Dean. It may be contained within the covering report for the targets. Mm. Councillor Khan, you wanted to say so. Um, I did. Thank you, Chair. Uh, earlier on in the meeting, we made mention, or somebody made mention, of the staff shortages in environmental health. Is that correct? Yes. Environmental services? Yes, yes. Uh, environmental health. Health, yeah. Uh, so tell me, is there any correlation between that and some of the performance? What's happening with the performance here? I mean, because it seems to be the trend is up, actually, despite the fact that 
you've got... So which indicator are you looking Environmental at? Environmental health, uh, commercial. P1. P1. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Do you want yeah. me just to quickly... I think as uh, Oliver said, this is to September. The yeah. two people in question left at the end of December. Mm. So that's the answer. Right, thank you. Councillor Bagnall. Uh, I just wanted to support Councillor Dean in what he said. Uh, I wouldn't expect targets to be dropped in any area. Yeah. Uh, it might be challenging to meet some of them based on the performance yeah. and issues that we get, but we should never drop the targets because that sends out the wrong message. Yeah. So I fully support Councillor Dean in that, and particularly on that one as well, because just because you haven't met it, yeah. it doesn't mean to say you shouldn't be striving for new ways to beat it, uh, yeah. and that's probably what we need to look at. So when we get the review, yeah. I think you, you probably need to make sure that none of the targets are dropped from previous we, years. They yeah. should be in line or yeah. should be tighter so that we have to strive more to meet them. Yeah, as, um, just to say, as part of our, the annual service planning process, we do review the targets anyway. So we ask managers to... So we'll be asking them to provide their 2020-21 target, but also predicted for the following year. So I, we will be comparing what they predicted last year with what they're providing us for this year anyways, and any changes we do provide to both corp the corporate management team and also to members in the report that we bring for the indicators, so that you will see any form of explanation on that. I think, Mr Knight, I think the committee would be upset if any of the targets were dropped. Yes, yes. And we'll be looking to, to certain Just of them to be tightened. Yeah. I think that's yeah. what you'd all be looking for, is that, am I yeah. right? Okay. If there's no other questions, I will bring the meeting to a close. I will thank you for your attendance. Oh, Mr. Khan. Uh, there is, I'm afraid. Mr. Khan, uh, I apologise. Yeah, so, sorry, Chair. Um, you mentioned at the beginning of the meeting we were going to discuss risk. Uh, I asked whether the risk register um, was going to be presented, and obviously now that's in March. But you made a statement saying that we're going to talk about it later. My concern was around reputational risk. Um, I just wondered if we were going to discuss it and why you made that statement. Uh, I mean, I, I see. Think, well, I, I think the later meant March. Oh, oh, I see. Right. Okay. Oh no, no. Well, I wondered why it wasn't on the agenda. No, no, I just no, think no. there are issues around reputation risk. So that, just to be clear, yeah, then, that's coming back at the next meeting. Correct. Great. Thank you. I thank you for your attendance, and I apologise, uh, Councillor Khan, for misunderstanding. And uh, thank you for your attendance, uh, Mr. De Vries. I think you'll be able to meet your door. Your, your lock issue. <laughs>